Today's scripture reading comes from Matthew 21 through 6. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. About nine in the morning, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about noon and about three in the afternoon and did the same thing. About five in the afternoon, he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? The word of the Lord. Please be seated. Uh, So today, our speaker, Evan, has been pastoring Park Hill Church um, in Liberty Station for the past two years now with his wife, Sandy, and an amazing leadership team. And I've been blessed to call Park Hill my home church, and I've been continually impressed by Evan's preaching, leadership, and authenticity. And I know people who go to Park Hill can attest to that as well. And um, I've enjoyed hearing him speak mostly every Sunday, and I hope you guys can enjoy him today as well. So let's give it up for Evan. Hey, everybody. How are you today? Awesome. It's so, so good to finally be with you. My wife, Sandy's here. We're just overjoyed to see uh, all that God is doing in so many of you that we've been able to meet uh, just in two years of church planning in the city. It's pretty beautiful um, to, to be here. And, and, and it's great to just cram your last few chapel credits in at the last minute. It's great, too. It's, but um, yeah, it, so this is peace. Peace week. So Esteban said, this is the week you're focusing on peace as you lead up to Christmas. Um, There is nothing for me that has robbed my peace more than this topic, this problem that I'm going to talk about today. Um, If you're part, if you've been part of the Park Hill journey for the last year, I've I've talked about this once. It's become sharper for me, sharper focus. And I I think the spirit of God has led me into a, a more, a deeper awareness of how to draw from the well of his love in order to overcome this problem. Um, So the problem is the problem that (laughs) Jesus addressed in the story Soren just read from Matthew 20. Uh, We're going to work through the story. And the problem is this, unhealthy comparison. Nobody has a problem with that, right? You're all good. It leads to envy. And this steals joy so much in my life. And Teddy Roosevelt famously said, comparison is the thief of joy. How many of you agree with that? Comparison is a thief of joy. We can nod our heads at that. We can agree and everything, but we still have a problem with that. We still don't know how to get over it. Um, So just, I mean, for me, like this is a live issue. Like it has been an identity issue for me. Growing up in a musical family, um, <clears throat> a little brother named Phil. Imagine, imagine having, uh, being a musician myself, and I'm, actually I'm talking about, uh, not me, someone else I'm talking about, just kidding. No, imagine being a musician and your little brother is 1,000 times more influential than you in your chosen field of influence. Um, that's just real. And he and I talk about this. Uh, what do you do with that? And, and what do you do? You're going to go back home for Christmas and, and you're going to be with family and comparison has driven a lot of the family interactions you've had and conversations. What do we do with this? Uh, every one of us has these envy issues, places where our hearts get a little heated. 
about stuff. Just a short list of things on the screen, work and success. That's, that's one of them. How many of you have jobs? Awesome, great. Some of you. Uh, how, how do you feel when the less experienced people at work are somehow moving farther than you are? Uh, or maybe you are the newbie on the job and you're moving quick and you're at the top of the heap now and you're like, I don't know what the problem is, this is great. I don't know why people are complaining about me. Uh, for, for some of us, it's like popularity and networking. Right now, you're network- that's part of college. You're, you're networking, building relationships that'll last for a long time. And it's all about who you know, how many people you know. You can make yourself feel better by looking down on others who know less. Or you can throw yourself a pity party by looking at other people. Uh, for some of us, it's money and status. Like some of you guys, I know, I, I know you, I know many of you, and you have to work like two jobs just to be here. And, and meanwhile, you're looking at other students whose parents paid their way, or you're, they're on a scholarship or whatever, and you're thinking, man, that would be nice just to give 100% of my time to studying and drinking coffee like them or whatever. Um, yeah, and, and we even compare our physical bodies it's a big deal these days. It's like they look amazing and I look average or whatever, however you judge yourself. Instagram perfect fake filter pics. So like they're so fit and skinny. You ask them, like, how do you, what do you do? They're like, I don't know. I just eat whatever I want. You're like, <laughs> that's great. Awesome for you. And then we even compare our spirituality. If you've grown up in church, how many of you guys have like a, like you grew up kind of around church? Oh, wow. That's not many. Not many church people here. That's great. Um, <laughs> But we can compare our roles and our leadership entrustments. Like, why did she get recognized? Um, I totally could do what he's doing right now. And these things are so subtle, you guys. They're so subtle. I'm, I'm 38, and I'm still unearthing fresh ones in my life. Um, you guys, we are envy machines And when unhealthy comparison controls our lives, it can lead to losing sleep and anxiety and fighting with the people that we love the most. So let's honestly ask ourselves some questions today. And and just just go into Christmas with these questions. Um, Why do I find it difficult to rejoice over the good that comes to another person? Why would God's goodness to another person make me feel anger? Why does God's generosity to others make me feel cheated? And so today's challenge from Jesus is, uh, it comes from this idea, unhealthy comparison will keep you from experiencing the face-to-face love that God intends for you and your family and your community, you are building, right now, you are building a life trajectory that you will become an old woman, an old man, based on decisions you make now. How to to follow Jesus with your feelings about these things. And we, we have, we have to identify, we have a spiritual sickness called envy. It's not the way we're supposed to be, but it's the way we are often. And in this parable, Jesus offers the medicine of truth. Will you receive it? This is the way to peace. This is a huge part of this thing called peace, shalom, 
that God has for us to enter into, right relationships with others, right relationship with ourself, with God and the world around us. So Jesus gives us, he hands us medicine, um, and it's this story about a vineyard which brings us back to the parable. And here's the point of the parable that Soren read. When we choose to see the world Jesus' way, unhealthy comparison loses its power in our lives, okay? So the story, as you heard, it's a pretty straightforward scene. Um, it's a straightforward scene in our day, too. People looking for work on the street, standing on the street without a job to do, and a landowner hires them to work, and at the end of the day, they get paid. It seems pretty normal, right? Except here's where it's super abnormal. Everyone gets paid the same regardless of hours worked. So some work morning to night, some half day, some just work an hour, and everyone gets paid the same. So so question, if you were the one who worked from morning to night, how would you feel about that? How would you feel about that? Like people that get paid the same as you for just seeming like a little, obviously you'd feel bad about that. People who work the most get angry at the landowner in the story naturally. But here's the deal, the landowner insists, he says this, don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? And then he follows it up with a question. Or are you envious because I'm generous? And I think it would help us to let that reverberate through our bones. This Christmas, the generosity of Yahweh in becoming human, that we might become the family of God. He's like, are you envious because of my generosity? the pockets of generosity that I display around you in the lives of others. Why does that make you angry? God wants us to really brew on that and bring our feelings to him on those things. You guys, this is a live issue for me. I wanna, this is why I'm coming back to this twice this year in my own life, because uh, it's live in my life. And ultimately, this story is about God's generosity and human envy. And the question is, will we let him break our cycle? Will we let him break our addiction? And so uh, my friend, uh, Tim Chaddock, he's a pastor over in London. He came up with this clever little cycle. There it is. Look at that. And you're, you're, Charlie, your AV guy, he actually made the circle today, this morning, on the last minute. Good job, man. Um, so uh, comparison, unhealthy comparison, this is how it happens for us. It, begins with calculation, like we start doing the math. And if you look at verse 10 in Matthew 20, uh, there's five words there in the NIV, in the English, they expected to receive more. And those words, are, those words are telling. This is where the comparison game starts for all of us. We assume, I assume how it should work out for you. And so I start doing the math for you, which is not my business, but I do. And, and then we start calculating, and it's like, well, if they got only, if they got that for just a little bit, I'm, I deserve, obviously, obviously. Um, but here's the question, what if you don't obviously get more? What if it just doesn't work out the way your math says it should? Resentment and jealousy, distance from people you love, because we don't get what we calculated, okay? 
And then the calculation turns into complaining, and that's when it becomes verbal. And misery loves company. What's the fun in complaining without friends, right? You need misery loves company, and you bring others into your misery. Um, that's great. You never, you never keep it to yourself. We advertise it, gossip, start groups about it, post it to the internet without naming names, but everyone knows who you're talking about because they know you or whatever. Um, the problem with complaining is that it drags people into a false reality you've created. So this is, this is probably the nugget for me, the fresh uh, learning. God created how? How did God create? With word, right? With word. In the Hebrew scriptures, which were Jesus' scriptures, Jesus was raised on the Hebrew scriptures, your Old Testament, and then he commissioned apostles under his authority by the power of the Spirit to write the New Testament scriptures. He was shaped by the creation story. And in the creation story, Yahweh Elohim speaks and creates reality. (laughs) And then at the apex of creation, he creates imagers for himself. You and I, human. And he gives us a capacity that's unique to the rest of creation. Even secular linguists and psychologists are agreeing the one thing, full-on secular humanist evolutionary, like the whole, if you, science agrees that one massive thing differentiates the human creature from the animal creature in general, and it is linguistics. It's this thing called language. We can form concept into actionable phrases that shape other people's models of the future. We can speak and then step into, as a herd, as a community, we can step into the future with a new awareness of reality based on a word that is spoken, very unique to the rest of our environment. And the Hebrew scriptures contain this reality. God spoke, created reality, and then created creators who then speak like he does. And with our words, we shape reality for others. And this is, this is where our brokenness really screws things up because we can speak peace around others. We can actually get outside of our own ego and outside of our comparison games and sit down at the Christmas Eve dinner table with our family, maybe some of whom we're estranged from, and we can actually begin to speak empowerment over our little sister or over our estranged father who's decided to, decided to show up on Christmas Eve. We can be present and begin to shape reality for good with our words because We were made by a word, however that works. (laughs) And because we deal with envy in comparison, our words can also create false narratives. And we can create a false reality that we drag other people into. Uh, Example, my wife and I were sitting at our dinner table late at night, um, and we started talking about this, this guy amazing human being. I love him. We've done work together and ministry together. And, and I hadn't seen him for a couple months at this point. And we just start talking. And then because I hadn't seen him for a while, uh, I started asking, I wonder how he's really doing. I wonder if he's, 
I wonder if he's really doing well. I wonder if he's really telling the truth or whatever. Like I start actually spinning my own narratives in this moment because I haven't seen him and I'm a relational person and my wife goes, hold on, hold on, stop. My wife's really smart. And she's like, stop. Right now you are spinning into a false narrative and if you do not call him right now, um, it's going to be bad for me, she said. Like it's going to be bad for you because you're creating an alternate reality. I don't want to live in because it's a lie about this person. And I'm like, oh my gosh, great. So I, I call him and literally I get off the phone at the end and I'm like, he's the best person in the world. Like he's so good. He's like the best human. And he prayed for me, we prayed for each other, we talked about our vision for the future and shared um, you know, all kinds of stuff that was in our hearts at that moment. It was beautiful. And you guys, it would have been missed because unhealthy comparison, first we calculate, I wonder how he's really doing. And then we speak complaining. And we actually think we're justified in doing so because we love envy buddies. We love partners in misery. We've got to break that cycle. And then finally complaining, put that circle up one more time, it lands you into, finally, it's competition. And what was us together now becomes us versus them. Um, And now the enemy is not just the enemy of God, uh, spiritual forces of darkness, but now the enemy is flesh and blood, which is exactly what the scriptures say is not our enemy. We turn flesh and blood into our enemy when we complete this cycle. And it starts with unhealthy comparison so often. Please invite the Holy Spirit into your life. Invite the Prince of Peace into your life this week as we consider peace. Invite him to break the cycle of... uh, really, um, word, the word violence that's done when we start calculating against our flesh and blood. Um, I think this, because it's so raw for me right now, I think this is the word for you today. I think that's how God speaks prophetically through his people. Um, and so, um, there we are. Here's the effects of envy. You can move to, uh, there it is. Obviously steals your joy. Steals your joy, <laughs> So back to the parable, what, what was with those workers before the landowner got to them on the street? What, they didn't have a job. They had nothing. They forgot in their calculation that that same morning they had no job. This is our status as beloved of God, undeservedly, yet fully receiving his love. You guys, you are so loved by God regardless of your deservedness in your own calculations. You are so loved. And we forget this when we begin, when we begin comparing in an unhealthy way. These workers had no job and no money. They were standing begging. And they forgot that. This was to be a day of joy. But they robbed themselves of it by unhealthy comparison. And it also steals good from others. It steals good doesn't just rob you of joy, but this cycle, it steals good from those around you. Hopefully that's been clear up to this point in this talk. Um, it's, it's really like when we're comparing ourselves to other people, we're not actually planning to bless them, like at all. In fact, we sometimes hold back kindness because of our own issues. Have you ever been in a relationship with someone and you're sort of like even friends, kind of, you hang out, um, but it takes everything in you to bring yourself to genuinely celebrate their successes? 
Like this inability to celebrate victories in another person's life is a huge sign that there's unhealthy comparison that might be invisible in your own soul. So uh, a great Pentecostal preacher, Jonathan Martin, I love this guy, he, he says this, some people only love you when you're broken. Spoiler alert, those people are not your friends. If they really love you, they'll love it when you roar. The people who can celebrate with you are the ones you can really trust. I love that. I think it's true. Love it. O- the only problem with it, only problem, is it's framed around me and my roaring. It's important to roar. I, I, you absolutely need self-confidence that is given to you by understanding your belovedness in God. But listen, it's not just about me getting celebrated, me being platformed. Let's, let's turn that quote around, and I want to ask this. Are you the kind of friend who loves it when others roar? Invite that question to penetrate your bones, to get inside your marrow. Are you the friend who loves it when others roar? Are you the kind of friend who loves that? Or is there someone in your life right now where you're like, no way, like it's just too hard, they've got it made, and the last thing they need is more encouragement from me right now, believe me. Um, you know, someone comes up to you and uh, like, I just got engaged, oh my gosh, or whatever. <laughs> I don't know, maybe that, man, maybe that like hits a, hits a thing, a deep core. Um, or I just landed that internship, or I, I just got accepted into that elite program, or fill in the blank, and we can't bring ourselves to say, that is amazing, I'm so happy for you. Like, God is so good, and I see him reflecting his goodness through you. And then finally, ultimately, comparison steals glory from God. That's really the problem. I mean, if we, if we realize that third one, everything else falls into place. Comparison steals glory from God. And when we realize that, that's where true healing and maturity begins. The workers in the vineyard parable, the real low point in the story is when it, it, it portrays them as clearly irritated by the landowner. That's the low point. They do the math, they start calculating, they're like, why did they? And then finally they bring their irritation and shake their fist at the generous one. And instead of thanking him, this is what we do, we accuse him. And instead of reflecting him, we resent him. And uh, yeah, as, as a 38-year-old guy, I have a lot to learn. I am nowhere near arrived. I am not gonna paint myself as a know-it-all. However, from what I have learned, uh, there will be people in your life who haven't been around as long as you. Maybe they're your little brother or your little sister. They haven't worked as hard as you. They don't have all the experience you do, but they seem to be just making it and blessed by God as much or more than you. How will you respond to those people? How will you open your life to them and even be part of their support system to see more blessing happen in their life. How will you respond to God in those moments? And in, in this moment right now, on Monday of the final week before finals, God is inviting us to think, like he's inviting us to hear him ask the question, don't I have the right to do what I want with my stuff? Or are you envious 
because I'm generous. And in the, in the Greek, it's, is your eye evil because I'm good? And that's quite a picture, isn't it? Like, is your eye twisted because I'm so true? It, that's, that's really a picture we need to like follow through because with an with a evil eye, with a twisted vision, um, we can't see. And, and we cut people off. We write people off as invisible. You guys, we're the body of Christ. We're so united with Jesus. And in, in, in so that we share Jesus' relationship with his Father by the Holy Spirit, we're so united with the Trinity that, that the writers of the New Testament actually call us the body of Christ. The body of Christ isn't just this random metaphor for the church. The body of Christ metaphor, it came from Paul understanding deeply what it means to be saved. You guys, salvation isn't just, you know, forgiven of sin, pray a prayer, receive Jesus in your heart, whatever, all the things that Americans have typically associated with salvation or whatever. Those things are true, limitedly true, but they are all flowing out of a greater reality, and that is your union with Christ, united with Christ. Mystical, you guys, this thing is mystical. For hundreds and thousands of years, I mean, Augustine talked about this. Salvation is at its simplest, in its simplest form, union with the Son so that everything the Son enjoys from the Father, we fully share in through the Spirit. And, And this is why we become the body of Christ, actually the body of Christ. And so listen, when you compare an envy within the body you actually begin to write off body parts. That's why Paul thought it was such a big deal in 1 Corinthians where he's like, don't let an eye tell a foot, I have no need of you. Don't let a hand say, how could, that, how could a body function if it was functioning that way? Can it function? Remember this at your holiday Christmas table. Remember this at chapel. Remember this in your dorms, wherever. Like, I am part of this union with Christ and you are as much as I am. At a level we can't fathom. We don't even live out our days realizing how deeply this is happening all the time. Um, 1 Corinthians 12, he says, there are many parts, but one body. The eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you, and the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. You guys, I need you. (laughs) I'm just gonna close with this. I need you for my kid's sake. (laughs) Like, I need you to show up with your full gift set in the world. I need you to roar. I need you to plead the Holy Spirit to empower you to be the gifted woman, the gifted man God has called you to be in the world for my children's sake. My wife and I have five kids. That's a lot. So uh, we got, yeah. Yeah, we have five kids. And, and the youngest is four. The year 2035, when you guys are at your full stride in your uh, you know, corporate peak or wherever you're, whatever you're doing, uh, I, I need you there as a member of this union. And I have no time to write you off with envy. And, and, and I need you to show up in the world in a way that paves the way for my four-year-old son, River, 
to inherit the kingdom and receive this same commission. I need this. We are cutting ourselves off at the foot and stealing peace from ourselves if we're caught up in envy games. So receive this challenge from our Messiah. Jesus Christ was given so that you and I might be received by God and made into his body. Ultimately, uh, Christmas is the story of the landowner leaving his mansion to drive his pickup truck through the downtown core to find workers. Like usually in those days, a landowner would send like a foreman to go find us, his workers. But he doesn't. The landowner himself gets into his vehicle and moves into our neighborhood and brings us into his field and family and inheritance and belovedness. So you guys, uh, I would encourage you As I'm going to pray right now and dismiss, I would encourage you to say yes. Say yes to the offer of God's own self to you. He did not envy. He emptied himself to bring you into relationship. I mean, we don't have time. Time is too short to be ruled by envy. Let's be ruled by the Prince of Peace. Heavenly Father, I pray, Lord, all the questions that came out of this talk, I pray that they would just begin to foster dialogue and discussion and prayer. Holy Spirit, would you unearth unseen envy and unhealth so that we might be healed and brought into family and forgiveness? Lord, I pray that this wasn't just a a bomb that was dropped on campus one day, but it was the beginning of a new chapter, maybe a new relationship with a parent or a coworker or a student or a brother or sister. Lord, may your generosity rule our hearts, not just this Christmas, but this entire uh, age until you return. Thank you, God, for making us your sons and daughters. In Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome.